Hello, and welcome to the 10th episode of the Film Ruminations podcast. My name is Jason. My original plan here was to record an audio version of my 2018 top 15 list of uh, home video releases, but then I caught the zombie death plague and could not speak without coughing up a lung. That list is now a month old, and it's pretty well put to bed. And you can go ahead and read that on filmruminations.com. Instead, I decided to just move on forward in my series on the Agfa releases. The next film in their release series is called The God Monster of Indian Flats. Do you believe in the monsters? No, I don't believe there's a monster in Stupid adults believe in Mm, these are good hot dogs. children off the streets. All deputies will maintain 24-hour surveillance until we crack this thing down. Directed by Frederick C. Hobbs from 1973, it's 89 minutes. Just when you thought it was safe to go back into the petting zoo, you meet God Monster of Indian Flats. Written and directed by the infamous outsider artist Frederick C. Hobbs, uh, who created Alabama's Ghost, this is the story of an eight-foot-tall toxic sheep monster that blows up gas stations, smashes crooked politicians, and terrorizes stoners. From the surreal Wild West locations to the outrageous monster effects, God Monster of the Indian Flats is easily the most berserk, out of control, and inexplicably deranged creature feature in the history of forever. This includes the scene where the God Monster crashes a children's picnic. In the words of legendary filmmaker Frank Henenlotter, get the straitjackets ready. The special features on this release is uh, it's a new 4K scan from the only surviving 35mm theatrical print that um, has a collection of rampaging monster trailers from the vaults and berserker shorts from something weird vaults and there is a bonus film, a new 2K scan from the original 35mm theatrical print of The Legend of Bigfoot from 1975. To call God Monster of Indian Flats, a unique experience, doesn't much give it its due. It opens with a short operetta, Basmir Bahakt ist nur de Montra Jagd, or Sheep Make Safely Graze, by Leopold Stokowski, hitching his way to a casino where he immediately hits a jackpot. From there, our hero takes 
up with some townies who drive him to a, to a small town, which reminds me of uh, 2000 Maniacs by uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis, a town out of time with shadows of the Confederacy. He claims a floozy robs him, then he gets into a fight with these folks and is driven back to his family sheep farm where he hallucinates floating sheeps and bones until he passes out. The next morning he is found by a scientist surrounded by sheep laying next to a bloody, lumpy, half-formed, embryotic, half-breed sheep. That is just 12 minutes. Just 12 plain old wacky minutes. An argument can be made that the characters come straight from like a Lynchian movie or a TV show. You got the noisy neighbor, a brothel, a scientific research station. You know, pretty normal stuff. The town is built around a gold mine that helped pay for the Southern Army during the Civil War. Uh, but there's also a university and an expansive junkyard, which is run by the sheriff. Just a truly special location. During a festival, another reminiscent of uh, Maniacs, during a festival uh, with uh, where there's target shooting, a dog is accidentally killed by a stray bullet, followed by, and I cannot make this up, an extended dog funeral scene with a twist. Just, just bonkers. After forming a neighborhood watch last lynching committee, the good old boys from the city kidnapped the only person of color in the film who happens to be a wealthy man who's coming to buy the gold mines. But I can't really tell if it's because he is black or just because they consider him to be a threat to their way of life by buying out the mines. And it's a part in the movie in which you start to wonder why the movie is even called The God Monster of Indian Flats because there's only been about three shots of any sort of monster. After the prisoner escapes the gang, they go after him with a bunch of grenade launchers, uh, gas uh, gas grenade launchers, and just to start to pelt the laboratory where the god monster is. And we somehow find out, it's not entirely clear, but it appears that the god monster becomes agitated. It's really not entirely clear. Or maybe some of the gas might have had some sort of effect on the metabolism, some, uh, some, some sort of effect on the monster itself. And the film suddenly completely shifts and becomes what you've been expecting the entire time. The, the, the film's kind of a hot mess, but it's that kind of hot mess that you're very grateful to have witnessed. I can't speak too much for the techniques of filming because there appears to be some blue light filters here and there that, that might not actually be blue light filters. It could be dusk, but it, it's just not entirely clear. But it does remind me, in some instances, of uh, silent films. I can tell you that the transfer, like all the other ones from the uh, Agfa releases, is amazing for being... As, as flawed of an experience, the film is, is just kind of beautiful. One thing uh, that it, I think it's important to keep in mind here, the god monster of Indian Flats is a, uh, a misformed, mis misshapen sheep uh, about the size of the man who wore the costume, one would assume. Not as corny as a Godzilla man in a costume, but it is kind of corny. The um, back of the box uh, references a um, child's party that is crashed by the god monster and uh, that's in the trailer so there's nothing spoilery there i mean it's just something to behold uh the the quote on the front here is says simultaneously grotesque pitiable and hilarious this is from nightmare usa Stephen thrower looking up at the the shelf i can't really say that this is my favorite release uh in the collection because i i'm a big fan of all of them it's both what you expect in a monster movie and not at all what you could see coming at any point in time. 
it is definitely worth checking out for fans of monster movies or uh, Gonzo cinema. Um, it's it's a good it's a good time, uh, probably shared with friends. The special features on this uh, in the DVD menu it's called Sheep Hugging Extras. Uh, the first I'm going to talk about the extra movie here, um, The Legend of Bigfoot, is a surprisingly interesting and compelling documentary. It's narrated by an animal tracker uh, and squatcher. Uh, Ivan Marks, who sounds almost identical to Gene Shepard, who uh, plays the adult voice of Ralphie in A Christmas Story. The the similarities between the two is really the prime reason for watching the documentary. Um, I like the idea that Ralphie becomes a naturalist who spends the rest of his life looking for proof of Bigfoot. The film itself is mostly a collection of, of interesting and unique um, nature photography, which is likely constructed... Uh, as a search for Bigfoot uh, to interest children in naturalism and uh, the great outdoors. And I think it succeeds in that. Um, The disc also has a self-serving documentary on UFO sightings, a brilliant, uh, truly a gem industrial film on school bus fire safety. I cannot... (laughs) The restoration work that, that was done on this school bus fire safety industrial is is just incredible. Uh, it's a throwaway film strip that you might have watched in elementary school. Well, it's aimed for elementary school children on how to deal with fire safety on a school bus. Why would I ever want to watch that? Why would the fine people at Agfa want me to watch that? I don't know. I'm very glad that they did, though. Also on here, you have a relatively racist uh, colonial film about the true missing link between man and ape, which is an elusive white gorilla who saves a damsel in distress from a dangerous black gorilla. Like I said, it's pretty racist. There's also a handful of monster trailers uh, from the Agfa vaults. I uh, have a special place in my heart for these trailer reels, um, including a trailer for Grizzly, or as it's called in some circles, Jaws with Claws, or The Deadliest Jaws on the Land. Uh, Grizzly has a really great release uh, from Code Red and Scorpion. So, what do I do here when I go to pair the God Monster of Indian Flats? I had an immediate pick in mind, and I knew what I was going to choose, but uh, re-watching this today, I started to waver a few times. Uh, first was to revisit 2000 Maniacs, by Herschel Gordon Lewis. It's a tenuous connection at best, but I, you know, the more I thought about it, it wasn't the right choice. I considered going with Grizzlies since our friends from Agfa were kind enough to give us a trailer linking the two right there, but I decided to stick with my original choice. This is also a relatively new release from Severn Films, The Horror of Party Beach. sound of the Delairs, swinging out with six rocking hits. 
while the cycle gangs burn up the road and strong arm their way into the party with fists flying, while teenagers prepare for a secluded slumber party, ghoulish atomic beasts who live off human blood. Again and again, the fiendish monsters struck like nothing that ever stalked this earth. An entire city in the throes of panic at the mercy of demons from the dead. bikinis, beach parties, surf rock, and radioactor lizard frog plants, uh, monsters with mouthfuls of hot dogs. The hot fogs bit don't do anything for the movie aside from just taking it to another level of strange. Unlike the god monster, horror at Party Beach flows uh, more like a typical monster movie format with the whole thing about defeating a radioactive hot dog monster. Swoosh that around in your mouth a little bit. Get the, get a little mouth feel. Smell the flavor. Radioactive hot dog monster. Uncut on Blu-ray for the first time. In 1964, 20th Century Fox released an independent shocker shot in two weeks for $50,000 outside of Stamford, Connecticut by local producer and filmmaker Del Tinney and advertised the first horror monster musical. More than 50 years later, this, this absolute classic of exploitation cinema returns like you've never seen or heard before. When nuclear waste dumps into the ocean, mutates a shipwreck full of corpses, it will unleash an onslaught of bikini teens, surprising gore, dubious science, and intrepid maid. The Del Airs and the arguably the greatest worst monsters in horror movie history. Severin is proud to present this cult favorite, from Connecticut's own Ed Wood, now featuring a new 2K scan from the original negative and loaded with all new special features like nothing that ever stalked this earth. Cult Movie Reviews says it's pure enjoyment, the perfect cult movie. It's definitely a contender. The special features on this disc is uh, Return to Party Beach, a retrospective documentary. It's The Living End, an encounter with the Del Airs, an interview with band members... Uh, Bobby Osborne and Ronnie Liniers, uh, shock and roll filmmaker Tim Sullivan on rock and roll horror movies, and some archival interviews with Del Tinney and the trailer. When I think of beach parties, uh, my first thought uh, personally are the episodes of 90210 my sister would watch and the films of Finette Finicello and Frankie Avalon. Horror at Party Beach is solidly in the latter camp with some pretty decent dance numbers with a live band and a biker gang, you know, everything you want. But, at and, and this is mentioned in the special features interview, something that I, I didn't initially consider is that with a film being in black and white, the beach party scenes have a, a baked appearance of an overcast afternoon rather than that explosion of technicolor that you get with most of the beach party genre. 
The film follows a fairly standard plot of lazy, uh, toxic waste storage leading to leaking ooze at the bottom of the bay. Uh, unbeknownst to the town folk and their teenage children, the goo reanimates some. I mean, the back of the box kind of says a boat of corpses, but uh, it's something to behold. Um, sure, it's got some standard monster movie, but still, it's got to leave you with something. I got to leave you with something. There's a substantial amount of Save the Princess uh, theme with some borderlines, uh, typical racism for the time. You know, it wasn't uh, made this year. So uh, in, in a mostly white town with uh, black housekeepers acting in a rather stereotypical manner. The, like I, I, I mentioned earlier, the, the, the hot dog, it, it doesn't really matter at all. It's just, I, I would assume that the, the costume designers were thinking of it kind of like the philia in your mouth, you know, those little flaps of skin, um, that in these monsters, one of the things that it sort of mirrors the idea of a herbivore's uh, cilia, I, I believe it's called, that uh, helps to catch bits and particles of uh, plant matter, even though they they go very deep in the film to explain, not deep at all, there's nothing deep about this movie, well, but they go in the film and explain that the one thing that the monsters require, absolutely require, is human blood. It's it's perfect. Um, it's a, an awfully good pairing, both because we have two relatively new releases of old cultish um, monster movies that work kind of well together. Uh, just to give you a, a, an idea of the genre outside of you know your Godzillas and uh, other monster movies of that that uh, ilk. Um, I think they, like I said, they work pretty well together. I, I think you'd have a really good time hitting this with a double feature. It's uh, definitely two popcorn films, and uh, they would both go really well with with a, a fairly large group of people uh, that you just kind of sense both are so light, you could easily lambast them throughout the whole thing. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I'm glad to be back and uh, getting getting on with the the Agfa releases, I, I saw recently that they've announced three new films. The smart person would have had that information handy, uh, but we'll just kind of go with the mystery and uh, talk about them when it's time. Uh, the next film in the series is a movie called Lady Street Fighter. It's a movie that I was not entirely sure I'd ever watch again uh, until I started this program. It's uh, something special, and uh, I hope you come back for that one, and uh, we'll see what we pair it with. Uh, again, thank you very much for listening. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the program, please go and check out the top 15 of 2018. I'm really proud of, I'm always proud of these lists, uh, putting them together to try and and broaden what you might not have caught. In a sea of home video releases, it's very easy to miss something that is not going to necessarily get the same level of marketing dollars thrown at it. It it's these kind of releases. They do have budgets and they do have names that people recognize. But it's really just fans of these films of these companies helping to spread the news and spread the word of these releases and just how important they are. Uh, other plans for this year, I have decided to revisit a few pretty. Uh, highly respected directors. Um, I want to go back and watch uh, the Stanley Kubrick films, and I want to write about them. And I'm going to read the books uh, that they're based on and just really try and get a, uh, some of the lore uh, surrounding it and, and give a more substantial essay to them. 
Um, I also have this glorious and gigantic uh, Ingmar Bergman box, and I'm trying to decide how I want to tackle that. And uh, I have uh, another itch, even though it was just last year, to revisit John Carpenter. I guess that happens every year, doesn't it? So, again, thank you very much. I am so glad that you are here and listening. Hit me back at uh, Admiral Beamish on Twitter. Uh, You can comment on the site. Comments are always open. So, again, thank you very much. And until next time, please enjoy as much as you can.